In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. We are currently live. The number to call is 0208-687878. And I just realized I am speaking way too loud. And the <laughs> controller in the room is probably saying, calm down. But I'm, I will I'm not, here. I'm just over here. I, I can hear you. Don't worry. Today <laughs> because we have some very interesting topics to talk about. Fahim, can you read? Yeah, I, I think so. Good. Because we are talking <laughs> about literacy rates and the fact that they have decreased. Yes. And so it wouldn't be very good if we were sitting here and we didn't know how to do that, read exactly. it at all. Anyway, so we have uh, a dilemma apparently on our hands, which is that there has been a decline in people's not only ability, but also interest mm. to just read stuff. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if this means that w- w- we're looking at, does this mean that everyone's kind of intellectually inferior now? Or have they just found different ways to get the information? Yeah. Obviously, we're going to find out what's going on. But it's saying that over 56% of children and young people aged 8 to 18 do not enjoy reading in their free time. Are you one of those people? It's my job to read. <laughs> so, like, if I was also reading in my free time, that yeah. would be insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, come on. Like, I need to, yeah. I need to, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I have a, because like, when I do research, yeah. as an imam, as a research fellow, yeah. I have to do reading a lot. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of grateful, to be honest, that I have that. Yeah. Because it forces me to read a lot. Yeah. And uh, that's great. But if I'm very honest with myself and mm. I wasn't in, uh, I wasn't in this field. Yeah. I don't know how much reading I would do or if I would do the same amount of reading that I do now. Yeah. And that's probably because of the obvious elephant in the room, which is media entertainment. Yeah. And the fact that even if it's not entertainment, you want to get information, hey, just watch a video, quickly go online and search something. Would that count as reading though? If you did a Google search, yeah. would that not count as reading? Yeah, see, that's the thing, right? Um, I, saw, I saw this meme that it said, um, you know, if you're worried about your children not uh, reading, just turn on the subtitles. <laughs> 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 so, oh, so technically is that, that is, reading that is, is that, I, I, that's I don't pretty know. interesting <laughs> right my wife so. does that you know when we watch something because she's yeah. German yeah. so she turns on subtitles in German yeah. or like if she wants to know me she should put the show in German and put the subtitles in yeah, English yeah, yeah. and I'll be like alright now I've got to read it <laughs> yeah, <but> that's <laughs> the thing when you're reading you're just not really following what's going on yeah, really, I know, so. but yeah that's, a, that's an interesting take so I don't know exactly what it means when it's a literacy rate but it, it, I think generally what it's trying to say is hey mm. trends have changed yeah. times have changed apparently mm. The members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community have a 99% literacy rate. Mm. I don't know when that statistic is from, but generally speaking, yeah. we, I can There's assume There's a big focus on that it, they have it? a good focus on uh, trying to get people to read books. Yeah. And that's probably because there's a lot of literature and a lot of our theology mm. revolves, revolves around reading books. Yes. So that's probably why it is. So I'm guessing because Muslims have a reason to read, mm. which is, hey, your faith depends on it. Yeah. Uh, so they read. I, I think most people, other people, they're like, hey... Um, what, why would we want to read? Yeah. Uh, we we got entertainment on our screens. Yeah. Again, probably Google searches don't count. Yeah. yeah. All of this kind of stuff. Even like things that you would normally read before. Like you go on a, an article, hey, how, um, how to guide. Hey, how do yeah. I do this? How do I cook this? How do I make that? We'll just put Again, it on TikTok now. It's all videos now. <laughs> 90 second, 30 second videos, yeah. five steps how to do this, right? And probably the biggest reason why most people have stopped mm. reading. Yeah. But in an address at the UNESCO headquarters in Paris, His Holiness Hazem Rizim Asura Ahmed stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established an excellent education system through which the intellectual standards of that society were raised. Literate and well-educated people were instructed to teach the illiterate. Special measures were put in place to provide education to orphans and other vulnerable members of society. This was all done so that the weak and powerless could stand on their own two feet and advance. Yeah. So, obviously, that's the vision that the Prophet ﷺ had. Yes. And 
right now that we can see it, there's a concern hmm. that there are people who are tending to drift away from it. Yeah. I, I think this is also a Muslim problem as well. Yeah, I think it's across the board. I think that it's just so easy to waste time with media. Like, think about it. You often, when you think of, firstly, you got to get a book, then you got to sit down, and then you got to read, and then you got to engage with it. Like, effort, I, I, I think it's effort. <laughs> it's just, and the thing is, we as a society are just becoming lazier, right? Like, mm. you know, food's delivered to our door with a click of a button, right? Like, there's just so many things that are changing that. Why would I read it when I could just tell ChatGPT to summarize this book and give me the mo- I don't main know, you know. important points? I think we don't know what we're missing. I think it's it's one of those things that unless you really try it, you don't really know about it. And I think my generation, I'm like 30 and you know, almost 30, yeah, yeah, in a in a few days. So I'm not there yet. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Still, I'm still happy. The, yeah, I, I think you're a real concerned about this because we've done two shows now. You mentioned it in both of them. So. <laughs> Are you worried Bro, about turning 30? Yeah, man. It's like you, if you don't, it's okay. If you're, if you're not 30. You're not. You're not successful. You just failed, isn't it? I'm just, I'm just well, because of Forbes 30 and a 30. Yeah, man. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah like when we were growing up, I, and I think it probably still is like this to some degree in schools here in London, anyway. Um, you know, like in classes, we would have like specific lessons or like sessions in school hmm. which were not maths english geography history hmm. they were like hey one hour 45 minutes go to the library pick up a book yeah and just read it that was primary school by the way so yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd pick up like hey let's go and we'll obviously pick up the book that had the, the coolest cut cover like yeah, we didn't yeah. care about anything else we're like hey it's a cool cover yeah we read the You're book judging the book by and its cover. yeah we would <laughs> literally do that but we enjoyed that hmm. and and that's how kind of I started reading books hmm. and i obviously as a kid you was i was not reading like non-fiction i was reading fiction hmm. Yeah. Things like Harry Potter, Lord yeah. of the Rings. Got big kind of big books as well, to yeah. be honest. And I'm glad that I did. Because you know what? I've even watched the movies, for example, Harry Potter. Yeah. And they're cool, they're great, okay, but I value that reading that I did a lot more. It was yeah, so but much- I imagined it so much better than the, the, the <laughs> that's the thing. It? Like I I feel like uh, that's the beauty of reading, right? You yeah. create the Yeah, the, exactly. The this, imagery in your own head and it's in the way you it's as would good as your imagination, it, right? exactly. And like you can really get gripped by it. And I think that look look, I, as much as I don't read as much as I used to, for sure, um, Anytime I have sat down too, and I have been making more of a conscious mm. effort to that um, more recently as well. So it's great that this topic has come up. Um, but it is different when you when you read and you imagine those concepts. I feel like you're you're for me. I'm quite a creative person. I like to uh, mm. to be that way. And so I think reading and imagining these things myself really helps me do that and helps me develop. But it's hard, my, man. Because I'll tell you what it is, yeah. Like even if I want to, mm. like I, I, if I really want to read something, I'm gonna be completely honest here. I don't really like reading if it's nonfiction. I don't like it. I potentially, like it makes me fall asleep. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm I was literally gonna say this. Yeah, to it's not even like yeah. I'm like oh, I'm tired because I didn't sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, enough. It's last that night. page. It's a psychological <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm I'm saying this because when I was <laughs> when I was studying for theology and I was doing yeah. my courses in what I don't know if it's called imamhood or whatever you yeah. want to call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, like, there's a lot of books to read. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was always one of those guys that, um, I you if I had an interest in something, I would read it. Mm. Like, I love, you know, I'll read this. But if yeah, there yeah. were certain things where I'm like, oh man, it's not really my thing. Yeah. Like this particular field of of, of research isn't my thing. I'd find it very difficult to read that. I would yeah. maybe go a few lines in. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even be get distracted or anything. I would just feel like my brain's working in overdrive to try and read this. And I think that's because, plainly because. We're just too used to having to not put effort in yeah. to d- dissect information. No, but I think you could be interested. Like, it's the same if you were watching a boring TV show, you wouldn't 
carry on watching it. True. Or a boring We're film, trying to say, <laughs> We're trying to say that all that stuff was boring. No, no. That, but that, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is stuff that love, you've got to have <laughs> a vested interest in it. No, but what I'm trying to say is... I'm saying, is, that there's got to be a purpose to it. What I'm trying to say is, is that those books had information. And maybe mm. it would have taken me half an hour to read that book, okay? Mm. Or whatever that... We, we won't normally assign an entire book in a day. We're mm-hmm. like, hey, here's the next 10 pages. We're going to read yeah. it. And I could have read that and got X amount of information. But I could have also watched a two-minute video mm-hmm. and got this pretty much almost the same amount of information. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why my brain probably couldn't compute. Why on earth are you reading these 10 pages? Yeah, but th- you can just do it by watching a video. But reading... You're, you're talking in the learning context. Yes, I right. So when it comes to learning, the people are different types of learners. They're yep. visual learners. 100%. You know, they use sound, like wh- whatever. So yep. I think that maybe just you're not a. Reader. I'm not. A, I'm, yeah, I don't think it, I am. Like you're more like, of a visual. Learner I would rather maybe, yeah. watch something, and yeah. and even I would write. If it came to me being the one giving information, mm. I also wouldn't want to be the one writing something yeah. down. I would be the one. Hey, let me create some visual content yeah. to educate people. Yeah, it's like I can't stand presentations that are just like yeah, bullet so th- points. That's and, something. And, and, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. When mm. it comes to non-fiction mm. so something that you would read intentionally to actually to gain learn, information yeah. Yeah. not entertainment yeah. I would always opt I, honestly I would always opt where where the option is mm. not to read a book I'm not <laughs> I'm going to be very honest with yeah, you yeah. however I, I say that and then I think about well, okay there are things which as Muslims mm. we, we think we read them for information like mm. for example the Quran yeah. we don't read that just for information like if it, it's not just a history book <laughs> you know what I mean it's not a yeah. geography book it's not a science book yeah. We we read that for more. We read that for spirituality. Yeah. So that's why it's the word I, of under, God. I understand why I'm reading that book. Yeah. Okay. But when it comes to purely informational things, I would always opt for proper video content. Yeah. And that's like for only the one reason I said it takes less effort to do it. Yeah. I, that's just who we are, and that's who we're becoming over time. We want to do things the easy way. Yeah. Uh, Life just becomes the truth, man. But enough about what we want, right? We've got um, a recording of uh, an interview we took of Shazna Javed. Um, let's listen to that now. Today we have Shazna Javed Sahiba with us, who is a Montessori teacher. My first question to you is: Do you think reading is important for a child? Yes, I do think reading is important for a child. Uh, I think being read to is also equally important, and children must be exposed to books at a very early age uh, because reading helps to develop their cognitive skills, social skills, and it contributes to their emotional well-being. Once a child falls in love with reading, the habit usually sticks for life. And when you develop a love for reading, it's basically that you absorb knowledge. And this knowledge is always going to help you in life. And reading also develops empathy. It helps children, little children especially, to understand broader uh, ideas and broader concepts that they might not uh, actually be able to grasp. But reading books and reading stories where things have been simplified for them really helps uh, them to understand certain things. And it also helps them to understand about why things are the way things are in the world and about their culture and about cultures around the world. Um, And also um, always when you have a solid reading habit, it helps with enriched vocabulary. It develops greater concentration in children and also 
of course when they are absorbing a lot of knowledge and a lot of language it contributes to higher levels of creativity and imagination in children okay my second question to you is what are some approaches you follow to promote literacy development so literacy development in the early childhood setting would be because it would be uh, related to the early very early stages of language development because children come to uh, the early childhood classrooms when they are around two to two and a half years old so when they are in that age group we usually begin from the very beginning with we begin with vocabulary enrichment activities we begin with sound analysis activities where children are able uh, you know children are actually encouraged to break down sounds and so we also um, read to them we uh, do rhyming activities with them then we do alliteration activities with them uh, and sometimes uh, breaking words into syllables but of course this is when they have reached a much higher level of uh, literacy skills and you always have um, you know books available in the classroom for them to look at for the teacher to read to them for them to read to their friends and uh, you know in countries like sri lanka for example because we speak many languages here um, in in our classrooms usually the children will have to learn another language uh, so along with english it's usually they learn tamil or along with english they usually learn sinhalese so uh, here children uh, need to be bilingual um, because they they need to be bilingual by the time they go to formal school so you know you they are learning another language with us as well and you have word based activities in the montessori classroom we have uh, letter boxes where they are able to build words uh, build sentences and uh, we encourage a lot of uh, you know interactive uh, vocabulary building activities okay my third question to you is how do you create a literacy rich environment in your classroom to support young children's learning so like i said uh, we have a lot of material in our classroom i actually have a little reading corner in my classroom with um, um, a mat on the floor and some comfy cushions and a basket with uh, some books for them to look at so usually the children always uh, come there everyone usually visits the reading corner at least once a day when they're in the classroom so they they go around they work and when they want to relax or sometimes they sometimes they come to the reading corner first sometimes they come you know throughout the day sometimes they come towards the end when they just want to have a break so that's something that uh, is available i'm sure in other classrooms as well and uh, i have books we have books uh, available readily accessible for the children on the shelves so when they want to uh, have a look at the alphabet books uh, or the sound books uh, there's it's already always there for them and uh, it's it's always um, it's a uh, language is always given in a way where it doesn't say, seem like they're being pressurized so like i said uh, when there's dual languages you know taking place when there's one child learning a different language and someone else is interested in it uh, we don't discourage 
the uh, you know the other child from standing and observing or maybe picking up a few words or maybe joining in on the activity so these are some ways that uh, i i use uh, you know literacy encouraging activities in my classroom okay and my final question to you is what do you believe are the most important factors for developing successful literacy so successful literacy i think uh, needs to be consolidated from day 1 this is when you really give good language to your child. You give uh, your child the ability to develop good vocabulary so that they are able to express themselves. Uh, you know, it's not only about taking in knowledge, it's also being able to express themselves clearly. And uh, this, I think, is the very basic. And once you've had your basics uh, covered it's it's more towards um uh, then then comes the writing part and then comes the part where they are they are able to uh, read because first you, they they really need to be able to be familiar with the language its sounds and uh, all of that before they are able to connect the symbols to the sounds so reading comes second so before reading i think it's really you really need to uh, establish real vocabulary for your child that was insight from an expert on the ground yeah and uh, now we know um, exactly what the issues are at hand we've got children in schools like i said and it's a good thing that we ended on on that i said mm. in children in schools yeah. who are sent to hey here's half an hour pick up a book and read it mm. and then just like me They'll pick up a book, which hey, it's a really nice cover. Yeah, yeah. But it's probably about this big book. Yeah, it's like a massive <laughs> book, and you obviously you picked a book which you're probably not going to understand. You open it, and there's words in there that you just don't know, hmm. or it just seems a bit overwhelming for you. That could be a major put off for a child. Yeah. I was expecting a dopamine overload here from this <laughs> book. It's going to be interesting. It's supposed to be nice. Yeah. Uh, nah, man, and it's a bit hard. So your brain starts associating something that's supposed to be a good, active, fun task mm. and starts associating it with a laborious chore. Yeah. So it's important for parents to actually not wait for school. Like, you know what? They're going to go to school. They're going to have a good time. Mm. They'll pick a book. Don't just leave it to them. We have to be consciously very aware that, hey, uh, we need to provide our kids with certain types of books from yeah. a very young age yeah. and present those books to them in a very fun way. Mm. And I'm really conscious of this as well, just purely because of the fact that we're living in a social media era. Yeah. And I'm more, because I do a lot of research in my work, hmm. I know that there is value in reading because even though we've been gunning down reading for the past 15 <laughs> minutes, yeah. I know one thing about reading. Yeah. What you read in a book is primary source information. Yes. That is the original information. Anything that you're going to end up reading on social media, on videos, it can number one be incorrect. Yeah. It can number two be a misinterpretation of the original source, which is the book. Yeah. So therefore, you might as well go to the book in the first place if you really want to find out the true information. Yeah. However, that is a more laborious task. But if you look at any researcher in the world who's worth his oats yeah. Yeah, and who's actually serious about what they do, they will never present to you information from a secondary source. Yeah. And today, because social media has only been around for 12, 13 years in its prime, mm. it's going to be secondary source because information which is important, historical information, <laughs> predates it by far. Yeah. So that's all in books. That's also in, all in writing. Yeah, if you want to say something serious, you have to go to the primary source. Yeah, and it also misses very important context, right? Like we've seen that in so many where people make allegations in any context, right? Yeah. It's usually cherry picking a certain 
thing, right? Yeah, of course. And just like putting it out there and saying, oh, you know, exactly. This means that. And they'll believe like, it. And they'll believe it. Because they haven't, they haven't, be, they haven't, they're not bothered to go and fact check it because exactly. they don't want to pick up and read a book. Yeah. That's why I'm so aware that, you know what, maybe I should at least still a little bit, if not like 100% straight ahead, but my kids should have some experience of fun reading at a young age. 100%. Because, you know, I, I experienced this yesterday. I don't know if you saw, um, it was trending on social media that Primark is shutting down all of its stores. No, no. Right. I so I, I saw this that. trending thing and I was like, what? Like, that's pretty big news, right? Yeah. Big, big, big. I literally, all I did, I straight went Google, I typed in Primark, hit news, yeah. right? And it says, um, fake uh, fake, fake news. news goes around uh, about Primark go. on social media. I mean, media. that's a relatively nuanced thing and you can yeah. quite easily search that. Exactly. Even that, I'm guessing, most people wouldn't bother searching <laughs> exactly. it. Imagine that's something that actually requires you to pick up a book yeah. or read an article or open yeah. a PDF document. Yeah. Most people will be like, no, yeah. that's terms and conditions, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not reading Just that. Accept. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's really important. Like with my kid, I'm like, hey, I've got, I've got two kids on the mm. And one of them is, you know, he's like three or four years old. One's a little bit younger. So yeah. obviously, the, the, the middle, the older one, he can start reading a bit. But even then, I'm like, I'm going to give him really fun storybooks. Yeah. I'm going to sit there with him and I'm going to act these stories yeah. out with him. We're going to yeah. narrate them. We're going to have yeah. a bit of fun. We're going to play. And that's how I know that he's enjoying those books. Yeah. And on top of that, any word that he doesn't understand, we we act it out, we play a game, we yeah. try and understand that book. So he, he basically learns that vocabulary there and then. Yeah. And he doesn't feel like, hey, what uh, what yeah. is this thing? Why does this not, why is this not making Where's sense? Where's the Why is this not mathing? Exactly. <laughs> but I don't want that to be in his mind because yeah. I don't want it to feel like a laborious task. Yeah. So whenever that happens, we convert that thing into a game. Mm. So we have, I mean, a lot of parents nowadays do this where mm. they will have cards, mm. um, like a picture of an animal, for example. Let's yeah. say you have a horse yeah. and they'll have the word horse and you know you have to match the pieces together. Mm. And there's a lot of these kinds of games that are out there. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you can make this kind of fun and yeah. remove that psychological element in your mind that, hey, as a kid thinking that this is a, a hard or laborious thing to do, I'm having to do homework. No, mm. it's a game. Yeah. It's, it's not even homework. We're not, we're not even terming it like that. And that's why I think before a kid even goes to school, this is yeah. the first mindset they should have about reading. Yeah. Like, it's not even reading. It's actually a game. I'm having fun. And then educating them about, okay, talk to them about what, your, what is your kid been reading in school? Because like I said, if you're going to go and pick up a book which has a really cool cover, mm. it might be something which is a bit too hard for them sometimes. Yeah, It might be the case and that could put them off. So maybe you can guide them, hey, here's a book, take it today, let me know what you feel. Yeah. You need to be consciously invested in this, which is an effort in, in itself. Yeah. No, definitely. And, uh, you know, using consciously effort, uh, like invested in this is important because if their parents are sitting around and watching TV and on social media, then that's exactly. what the children are going to do, right? 100%. They're going to do as they do, not do as they say, right? So I can stand there and be like, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm watching Netflix and I'm like throwing a book to my kids being like, hey, like that. read that, that, then obviously Absolutely. it's not going to happen, right? So like you said, we need to do what we like, what we want them to do. And I know that, look, I, I've been there where I've picked up a book and I've fallen asleep within a few minutes, right? Reading yeah. it because I, I've not enjoyed it. But I think that there's no, I know for a fact that it is definitely something that I will benefit from. And I think that you need to have it and you need to have, and you know, as, as the, um, as the interviewee was saying, you know, um, making sure that you improve the vocabulary, like the amount of times I've learned more new words from reading than any other source. 
right? Like I've picked up books and I'm like, oh, okay, what's that word? Like, I, you don't really see that on social media and through film as much because, you know, it's usually made very simple, so it's more accessible to as many people as yeah. possible. Whereas books are an authority on a subject and they will speak in their way of speaking, and then you will then investigate things like iota and things that like you don't see people talking like that, right? Like mm. you will le- when you when they write though. It really because they have to describe. There's no visuals to go with it. Right. They have to really describe it. They use a more varied, wide range of vocabulary, which I think you get from reading, which you don't get from You're other sources. Right. It is like that. Uh, I think your point is really important. It's about doing it with them. Hmm. Like, like you said, the what the what you said about chucking a book is important. Yeah. Because why why are we thinking about chucking them a book? We we have the time to do it with with them. Yeah. Like most often times, young kids are often given a book when it's bedtime. Hmm. And when it's bedtime, you you most often also have to be with them there, watching yeah. them. Hey, get, go to sleep. Yeah. Let me make sure he you know he, they don't muck about. Yeah. So if you're there anyway, read that book with them. Yeah. Enjoy it with them. Yeah. And that, that's the thing because you're absolutely right. If if we give our children a book, but and the lights are off, for example, the, the lights are dim, and you're on your smartphone going, I don't yeah. know, like on a, watching a video on socials, it's obviously going to make them think, oh, then a minute, oh, yeah. that's, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. I want a piece of that. Yeah, and I need a phone. Yeah. Subliminally, what you're telling them is, hey, social media is great. Yeah. That's what you need. Um, and that's terrible because obviously we know that screen time before going to yeah. sleep Blue keeps light, you awake, keeps you awake mate. Yeah. No, no, I, I've also experienced this. So I've tried to make a conscious effort um, Masani to um, to read Quran in front of him. Like I've never forced him to look like, you know, be like, come sit with me or like mm. I've just done it when he's around playing with his toys or whatever. I've seen it, uh, where he's taken other books and he's told me he's reading Quran and he's just like going blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? So I've seen That's that so cool. just by the fact that I've done that around him. Mm. And I know you're saying that, yeah, actively sit and help them through it. There is that part, but simply doing these things around them they are picking it up kids are sponges and i think they that that's really up. important you know actually this reminds me i did a, a video a couple of weeks ago mm. on my socials mm. and it literally was a I, I put a caption out saying that some people say that the quran is boring mm. and then i had this shot where i just opened the quran mm. and then i zoomed into it and i showed shots of images yeah. that the quran was talking about in terms of stories so the mm. story of certain prophets certain mm. miracles that happened in the quran and I just did it and I didn't really think much of the video. I yeah, came yeah. back, I think, a few days later to it. And, you know, I had like thousands of comments of yeah. people saying, whoa, we never thought about the Quran like this. Yeah, yeah. And, wow, we need to go pick up the Quran now. And yeah. I was thinking, you know what it is? There was that missing link between in their mind yeah. that, hey, we can actually read the Quran and we can actually depict these Im- imaginations and these yeah. images. We can do that in our own head. Yeah. And then when the moment they realize that, that when we read these books, we can also think about these images. Yeah. When Moses split the sea, for example, yeah, yeah. or when the, the, the moon was split in half, or when yeah. the Prophet was in Badr, we can imagine that. Yeah. It, went, it made them want to pick up the Quran. Yeah. So I think it's, like I said, it's about from an early age, reminding them that this is fun. Yeah. And also you can still use your imagination while reading and enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And unfortunately it is media that is, making that difficult to remember yeah because i think that 
like people think, okay, it's the word of God. It's going to be a set of rules of don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, true. Right? People, yeah, people aren't understanding that there's so much history. There's so many examples that we can learn from in our day-to-day lives. That if we, you know, once we read them, we imagine them, we like explore them. We think, how would that apply to you know how I am today? And how would how is it impacting the world today? What are we seeing? Like, and it opens up this. I don't know. It just elevates your thinking. I, I, I don't know how how is the exp- for me. Uh, for me, my my like major concern is it's not just books. I know this today we're talking about books. Mm. The problem with everything right now is instant gratification. That's yeah. what it basically is. We we don't want prolonged gratification. Yeah, yeah. And until we don't allow ourselves to get out yeah. of that cycle, we wanna we will never do any of this. You mm. know, you get people who go on like um, they go on these detoxes. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what people will do is they'll be like, hey, Juice fast. for a week or a far, <laughs> or a month or for however long, I'm going to have no phone. I'm not going to mm. go on socials. I'm not going to eat junk food. I'm not going to whatever. Whatever they classify as instant gratification, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Okay. So that basically means for a whole month, for a whole week, they are never having a moment where they say to themselves, I'm bored or I'm not feeling great. Let me instantly just uh, distract myself or be happy straight away. And they deny their body that response. Yeah. And then that forces them to look elsewhere. Yeah. What, what can I look for now? Now I have to find happiness. I have to find gratification. But I have to do it the prolonged way. And they, they, they start thinking about other things. So they'll, in a detox, they'll do things like um, yoga, wellness sessions. Yeah. They'll do reading. Of course, reading mm. will be one major thing they would do. Yeah. And, and, and these kinds of things. And they will find that when they come out of these detoxes, that because... They haven't been doing instant gratification and they haven't had constant dopamine overloads Mm. that they're not tired, they're not depressed, they're not frustrated and they're not feeling so dilapidated because they don't know what could make them even more happier and more energetic and more high Mm. than they already are Mm. because their body isn't in overdrive. Their body's relaxed, it's calm. And then it's only when someone does that or has lived that that they go, oh, Hey, what have we missing out on life, man? We yeah. don't always need to be dopamine high. Yeah. And that's great. I'm not saying this because Ramadan's coming up. Yes. And a lot of people are going to be thinking about doing that detox in mm. Itikaf in the last 10 days. Yeah. Where you literally go into a mosque as a Muslim. Mm. If, you cho- if you so choose to do so, it's voluntary. Yeah, yeah. But it's literally a detox. The last 10 days of Ramadan, a Muslim can choose to confine themselves to the walls of a mosque, mm. or the area of a mosque, and say... No phone, no dopamine, yeah. no instant gratification. I'm going to focus on spirituality, on worship, reading. And that is it. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. And you know, it sounds terrifying to begin with. Like, oh my days, how am I going to pass that time? Like, yeah, it's going to yeah. be so hard. I'm going to be so bored or whatever. And yeah. you know what? It might be. But when you come out of it, mm. you, you realize something that you feel so much calmer. Yeah. There's no rush. There's no FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. I need to see this video. I need to find out what's happening with this guy. This yeah. influencer, I need to figure this out. I need to read that news. I'm no. You just relaxed. Yeah. There's no. There's no need to do that. I I didn't. I think 2016, and I can categorically say I've never felt more content. I think this like piece of like. I just like. I think uh, I'm a football fan, right? Like okay. I. I think there was a World Cup or a Euros going on at that time. And like when I came out, I didn't even care. Like mm-hmm. whether England were knocked out or not. Exactly. Like, like I I just you, like you I just got like you yeah. know, I, I remember like <laughs> uh, 
everyone's like looking at the score or whatever like or talking about it and I was like you know I've just got this this sense of calm and this contentment I think that you it's very hard to describe it but is, isn't it? it's something that when you truly let go of like I'm not just trying to get that next thing or yeah. you know I've got to get successful or you know I've got I've got to get a six pack or you know I, I want to try this new restaurant yeah, or all these things yourself. just you stop and you just realize why am I here you understand you you know you just sit and ponder it I think this is the thing you know you were saying about instant gratification when was the last time like you know you were sitting waiting for the bus or on a train exactly. or somewhere where you just sat there and like I challenge anyone to just put their their phone in airplane mode, right? Like, just switch it off and just sit there and just relax. And, and not just, panic. Yeah, and not panic, right? Like, and just and feel that for a second that just, like, really, ponder over stuff. The world's stuff, not going right? to end. Yeah. Like you, I think somewhere in the back of our minds it is there. Yeah. That we will oh, starve. Someone's going to need me. Someone, we will like, uh, starve yeah. from every kind of thing that we need if our devices are, are gone. Yeah. And... Oh, my battery's low. Yeah. I'm, I've got to charge it. Otherwise, tomorrow exactly. I'm going to have a problem. No. So that stuff fatigues your mind because mm-hmm. it, it's constantly processing in the back yeah. of your mind. Yeah. And when you get rid of it, you checked it out. You've already all of a sudden got so much more processing power in your brain yeah. and it just calms you down. Yeah. And that's what that's when I do see people who read and I've spoken to a lot of people who mm. read. They will always say this. Yeah. They will say, I like doing these things. I like reading. I like doing contemplation. I like mm. wellness because it allows me to completely detach and they use the word detach mm. from immediate dopamine rushes and they mm. use this word so psychologically biologically mm. too much dopamine rush will first of all make that dopamine rush not feel special mm. so even if you are happy you won't realize that you're happy yeah you'll just be so numb to the feeling of it and if you're already happy and you can't feel it then what can you even do to even be happier yeah. you have to go more extreme you have to go harder you yeah. want it, you want it faster you want it harder yeah. to the point where how much more can you do yeah. it and when you get numb to happiness even though you're happy yeah. that's when humans become ungrateful yeah. that's when humans become really perplexed about what the heck is going on yeah, yeah. and you're caught up in a race yeah. so all it takes is to do that kind of scary move right yeah and, and Islam teaches the midway right like so just going that dopamine rush or just getting so addictive to it like like you said you know if 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 i had a private jet and i f- could fly anywhere anytime whenever i want and i did it i think for a couple of years it would be like oh the best thing ever or whatever yeah. after a bit you just when be you're like done with the novelty of it you just be over it right and i think that's where it's like too much of a good thing can be a bad thing right and yeah the dopamine hit is great and but this is where I think reading is special. I think, but that's that, why I think people don't want to read, because they're like, "Hey, it's gonna take me half an hour to get yeah. some enjoyment out of it." Yeah, right. Half an hour. We've lost patience as a society. Like we get things so instantly, right? Like the fact that we can, like, I could sit here while we're on this show and I could order something and food will be like literally here in the exactly. studio without me having to move. The fact that we have that, you know, with AI. Even more so, if I want a hundred ideas on yeah. what this, what this, what we should do for this show, it'll be generated within seconds. No, I don't even I have to think. Probably generate this entire show with yeah. with the audio. <laughs> exactly right, and 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 that's that's the that's the worrying thing. Like, I think that we need to have the patience. We need to, and I think that reading just 
you just with when especially a book, right? I think it's it's important to differentiate between a Kindle, an iPad, etc., and a book. I think with a book, when you just have a book in front of you, because honestly, I, I did this the other day, um, uh, coincidentally, um, and I just sat down and I read the book. I literally just I had forgotten about my surroundings, right? Like just I was just reading and enjoying, and like I was just like curious, where's this gonna go? And I think that you just constantly... I know with Harry Potter, I could never stop putting it down. I used right. to be, I'd be obsessed with it. Like, I mm. used to read through it really quickly. But... And I wasn't reading a, um, a, a non-fiction book. I, I was reading a fiction book. But it was something that was teaching me and learning... I was learning about. And I think that that just... Because, look, you open your phone, you've got a hundred of options, right? It's like, should I text someone? Should I um, video call someone? Should I jump on this social media? No, this social media. These days, there's so many social media channels, yeah. right? Like, you know, they, you, you'll be on... If you just kept up with your all the social media account, major five, right? You could spend your whole day doing that. Exactly. And it's just like... And then you get this itch. Yeah. Like, even if you've done it, you want to do it again. Yeah. Like, or, oh, let me just check. Oh, let yeah, me just check. Let me check. Yeah, and it's just... I just think that um, b- reading a book is something that yeah. if you haven't done it in a long time, just pick it up yeah, and there's try. No, there's, a, there's not going to be any notification bar yeah. popping up on your um, on your on your book, yeah. where you, which you have the option to either press or swipe away. Yeah. And that happens to me a lot. Where I go on my phone, and I'm like, oh, I need to check that email. Yeah. And then I see a notification on like on news thing or, or Twitter. I'm like, yeah. oh, let me check that out. Yeah. And then I forget why I <laughs> opened my phone in the first place. <laughs> oh, that was so often. <laughs> and then that, that thing, that task would just get left. Yeah. So with a book. It's just a book, it's a piece of paper. Yeah. Like that's great about it, right? Yeah. An ebook is still a screen and it does remind you subconsciously about screens and like, oh maybe I should look into something else. But yeah. That that is important. But you know, with me, yeah, another reason why I like to read books mm. is because like I said, when it comes to research and when it comes to theology, I'm a kind of guy uh, I wanna understand things. Yeah. I wanna understand the deeper meaning behind everything. Yeah. Mm. I'm like a kind of philosophical guy mm. I love to research into things and, and I am a critique I will question mm. things mm. and I want to do that yeah. so when I read things part of me when I read especially informational things I'm also looking into things to see how much of this is actually really holding up to its claim okay so yeah. and, and that's what I do so when I when I research my faith I mm. really want to be solid with it mm. and I read books and I read let's say commentaries and I read historical books whether it's about Islam whether it's about whatever I want to know that I can verify this Mm. and that actually it's true Mm. and if I can't or if there's a discrepancy that I find in it that's when my brain starts waking up Mm. I'm like hey I'm reading something and I've just found something and I will not stop reading into this until Mm. I've resolved it yeah that's what that's what keeps me alive when I read yeah. When I find something where there's a discrepancy or where something doesn't make sense, or mm. seemingly mm. it doesn't make sense, it may make sense, but mm. it requires research to f- figure out what, what it is. Yeah. That's when I wake up mm. and I say, oh my days. I, up until this point, I wasn't really interested in reading, but now I know that I've got a ton of reading to do yeah. to simply decode, decipher, or clarify this one line right here. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a lot of reading. Yeah. And that reading that I then do which might take weeks or months, yeah. I'm so invested in it. Yeah. Because my I have an objective, I have a yeah. goal, which I'm trying to work towards. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is here is that when we read, like a lot of people, they say, okay, my goal is what? They don't know. They don't, know they don't what have their a goal purpose, is. right? Um, mm. If their goal is just to get happy or dopamine rushed, I understand 
why today they may not want to read a book. Hmm. They may just want to play a game yeah. or watch a video or go out with their friends, which even, to be honest, isn't that bad, okay? Hmm. But if your goal is researching something, it could not. It doesn't have to be Islamic. If your goal is though, is researching something, hmm. or if your goal is to find out the deeper meaning behind things, you will 100% find yourself better off reading a book. Because first of all, when you read something and it's incorrect or it's 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 making it's bucking you, because it's a book and because you should be reading primary source, you will know that this couldn't be wrong or this hasn't been misattributed. This hasn't been misquoted. This is the thing that gets quoted. Mm. So you know you don't have to do, first have to do deeper digging to find out is this even right. No, you know this is what's been said, and then you go around trying to figure out is this even right. Yeah. You go around. You go around reading. You go around searching. If that is your goal, 100% a book is the way to go. Definitely. But I just want to talk a bit about, uh, from an Islamic perspective, uh, that the use of technology may lead to a neglect of worship as well, right? Um, so Islam addresses these issues where the Holy Quran states, O ye who believe, approach not prayer when you are not in full possession of your senses until you know what to say, what you say. Chapter 4, verse 44. Um, and His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, addressed, "Where there is goodness, um, there is also evil, and immorality and cruelties of the highest order are being perpetrated in today's world. Modern technology is abused by many in order to spread satanic influences and injustice, and as a result, mankind is moving away from God and true faith." Today, it is only the satellite channel of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, MTA International, that is broadcasting peace, righteousness and virtue 24 hours a day in accordance with the true teachings of God Almighty and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. We Ahmadiyya Muslims must never allow new technology to deviate us from the path of righteousness. Rather, we must use it to enhance our spiritual and moral standards and to increase our love for God and the Holy Prophet, peace and uh, peace of blessings of Allah be upon him and to increase our relationship of love towards the promised society peace be upon him um, that was the concluding address um, at the 124th um, Jalsa Salana Qadian uh, we're just going to um, play an audio clip uh, of an interview we did with Hafiza Begum our second guest for today is Dr. Hafiza Begum Sahiba who is a mother of two and a homeopathy doctor my first question to you is, what is your opinion on kids using tablets or smartphones? Yes, uh, it would be like uh, if I'm talking about the opinion, I would totally discourage using uh, kids' uh, the smartphone uh, or uh, uh, tabs because uh, it has a lot of uh, effects where uh, they can, uh, they, they will, uh, you know, like... Uh, decrease their level of uh, behaviors and uh, they would uh, have a lot of side effects with that. Okay, my second question to you is, how do you think devices like tablets or smartphones impact how much kids read? Yeah, it, it impacts a lot. Now, let's say uh, uh, we have provided uh, a kid with a tablet or a smartphone. So they have uh, internet connection through maybe Wi-Fi. So these wireless things uh, gives them the access directly to connect with uh, certain uh, videos and uh, maybe audios. And uh, whenever they need, they can search that and uh, they could uh, go through that and find out what they need. 
so uh, spontaneously they lose the interest of reading habits so uh, this is not a correct thing so if we limit or if we uh, restrict uh, them from using these things so they 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 will develop the habit of reading as well uh, okay my third question to you is are you concerned about devices distracting kids from reading yes i am really concerned about it and uh, i would advise because it's not only uh, regarding the reading habit it it's comes under like this it uh, it increased the behavioral issues first and uh, and also it decreased the uh, they they really addict uh, to that uh, particular uh, you know activities they are being you know familiarized with using devices and they might develop a lot of uh, uh, sleep disorders as well so they could uh, worsen with their mental you know uh, conditions and these uh, all all these matters a lot in deciding them uh, in uh, doing such things so i would uh, i would totally discourage once again and uh, they also like uh, get uh, you know uh lack of uh, communication skills develop uh, un, un, uh like uh, with them so the physical activities all these hampers so with these issues i i'm really concerned about it okay and my final question to you is how do you manage screen time to ensure it doesn't distract kids from reading yeah so we can uh, we can uh, suggest them that uh, if they need Uh, such kind of uh, a device uh, in use so they could uh, for an example if they can if they wanted to contact their teachers let's say so they can make a call or they could uh, text to them and uh, like this we can restrict uh, from them and li- give the limitations to them and other other things uh, we could uh, we should observe them closely uh, whether they are using the devices and uh, we can uh, directly tell them uh, not to use so this how i will uh, be very strictful with my kids all the time and uh, i will be very very watchful that was hafiza begum who's talking about how she is a parent first and foremost mm-hmm. is very concerned about the fact that there are devices in the household in front of very young kids yeah from a very young age and that is a genuine concern mm. but what i'm thinking is hey you be and she's like she's going to be strict about it she's going to mm. moderate it and of course we should moderate it and that's a key word yeah because the re- the reason why that's a key word is because if you blanket ban it from your kids mm. uh, i don't know because really at the moment the moment your kid starts to go to school sees anyone who's got yeah. who's, who's a friend your cousins come to your house or your brother comes how much can you really regulate that Yeah it's not it's not just the regulation i think that i think that it's are you are you putting them behind right like are they like if technology is advancing so much that the use of technology is how we're going to navigate this world are you keeping them back by I mean, them not exposing it to them right. earlier enough? i mean right now we're talking about what phones tvs yeah i mean ai sora just came out this week yeah right was it open ai created this thing yeah where you can just write a text yeah. prompt yeah to create potentially an entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the technology is going to move us forward. Yeah. So it is that, on the one hand it's a little bit scary, hmm. but on the one hand it's something that would you not want your kid to have that, s- that insight same skill into, like, hey, and that experience. This is a yeah, exactly. This is what you want to know about this stuff yeah. growing up, right? You don't want to be oblivious to it. Yeah. So that's why I think moderation is really important. Mm-hmm. So that we technically also advance at the same yeah. time as everybody else. But like I said, I, I think 
it's it's a it's a really fine balance because while technology improves, I think generally people are getting dumber because yeah. they're not willing to put in the effort anymore. Yeah. Uh, and we can't allow this to happen uh, because there using will be, our brains. Less, there will right? be people who will not give in. Yeah. And they will continue to read. They will continue to research, yeah. and liquid, they'll basically fact check everything. Yeah, and they will be very easily in a position, be able to manipulate people who aren't bothered to fact check, who aren't bothered to read what the reality is, mm-hmm. and they will just be able to feed such people information, yeah. and they will accept it for what it is. Yeah. That is very very scary. Uh, I think one in the Imran, uh, in the election of Pakistan, for example, Imran mm-hmm. Khan, whatever happened, you know, he was in prison. Yeah, and the day before the the votes came out, there was a video of him going around viral where he's given a speech from a very nice office. Mm. He wasn't even in that office; <laughs> he was in prison. Yeah, people could have fact checked that, and they would have found out that it's not. But here we go. Yeah. most people are in that position now where they don't want to actually have to put any effort in to find out is this even right? Is this even yeah. true? That's terrifyingly scary. So we need to have the awareness of the technology. And also a a love for reading, and that together will give us, a, 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 I think, a, a well-grown person. Yeah, I, I really liked your point earlier when you were talking about primary sources, right? You know, I did a history degree at university, and so like I always um, think about this, like you know, oh, you know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, why was I learning about primary secondary sources? But the reason social media has enabled us to be more connected than ever right right so we can be in anybody's home in anywhere in the world if you think about it right with that in mind you will hear someone say something about something that is happening in another area right there's no way it's like the uh, hadith uh, please correct me if i'm wrong ways hearsay is not like seeing exactly right like so you need to you have a responsibility to check if the information mm. is correct to be honest nowadays i would say seeing is not like seeing seeing virtually is not yeah, like seeing in real life 100% yeah. i think cuz you, you well if someone could just generate something yeah, you man. know like a, you know you used to see um videos going viral of like animals like playing the piano or something yeah, right well, obviously now, you know it's not real yeah, yeah you know it's not real right yeah. but now but like now, you're seeing <laughs> it generated it's so realistic mm. that you're just like what what on earth like exactly what's real and what's not so i think that that's where the idea of justice and the idea of truth is really important that you need to uphold your integrity and because the thing is is that it's also what you um what you don't understand is that you can spread misinformation by simply saying something that you saw right let's say you don't say like if i had said to you instead i said oh right like uh, primark's closing down Right, like I, like that I didn't check that. Like, I, it, I scrolled, I saw it yeah. loads of times, so I just assumed it was fact, mm. right? Or just like you're not realizing that. Let's say I didn't even consciously. Let, let's say I skipped it every time. Let's say you came up to me and you were like, "Oh man, Primark is in town." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah, it is, right?" Like, because yeah. because I'm subconsciously just taking it in. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I saw something about that. Or like yeah. the the funny thing that people say that, oh, I was reading this book earlier, and then the subtitle usually says, "I watched a TikTok on it." Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I was reading this article. And it's like I don't know. I watched a short on it. Exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> we have a responsibility to fact check, and I think instilling. A habit of reading, whether it's in our children or within us, is something that will protect us from this, um, you know, because of the primary sources. Now, that's why people probably are sticking to reading. We've done a poll for everybody at home yeah. on Instagram. 
And we asked people, what are you currently reading? I don't even know if, if I'm supposed to laugh or cry at the results, but here we go. The 40 Rules of Love. All right. All right, I'll give you that one. Harry Potter, we've already spoken of that one. Yep. You're a wizard. All right. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. <laughs> this has gone downhill fast. Yeah. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> okay. I don't even know what that is, but okay, anyway. I, The Supreme by Augusto Rawa, Rawa Bastos. I don't know what that is, but it sounds something pretty intellectual. Pretty Little Lies. That's a book, right? But it's also a series. Yes, yeah. That's yeah, one of them yeah. ones. Yeah. Then you got Life of Muslim or Radiallahu Anhu. And that, uh, someone's reading that right now. It's actually Muslim or they just passed as well. That's a good mm. one. Life of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you're talking about the book that I think about, you're, talk, you're talking about, go and read that book. Yeah. Like I said, your imagination really wakes up when you read Honestly. it. And then someone said medical books. I hope you're reading it because you're studying it, yeah. not because you're ill or something. So yeah. may Allah bless you either way. Yeah. So that's what people are reading right now. I would say, hey, if you are a Muslim right now and you've got the energy to read, but you can do one thing and you can pick up the Quran for like 10 minutes in the morning, mm. start with that. Yeah. Start with that for the sheer blessings of it for, and your, your objective when you're reading it again isn't going to be information or dopamine you're doing it for your own spirituality yeah. and therefore you can justify it to your mindset why you're doing it and that, that really matters you need to make it clear your objective when you read something I can so, attest to that I like uh, it's probably oh, I don't know how long it's been now I said I well, made it, the graph for ages. no no I, I made a commitment to myself oh. that like no matter what because I, I, I would read it but I would not be consistent with it so what um, I made a conscious effort that you know what no matter what before I leave the house I'm going to le- read at least one verse of the Quran yeah exactly small, right, like, literally just, right? just like start there and like now I'm reading like three four pages before I leave right like it, starts, it, starts it started off. off so slowly where I was just like you know what like no matter what like the world is not going to end or I'm not going to be that late to work right like yeah. if, if I read one verse right so it was just that that thing then when I'm reading one verse I'll be like you know what three verses wouldn't hurt right okay a ruku wouldn't hurt like, you, like it's, it's fine right and then so build it so I, I, I can attest to the, the advice you just gave that like you know just start small you know, like you said, ten minutes. Everybody can find ten minutes in the day, and no one is bu- no one is that busy, exactly. right? That they can't find ten minutes a day. Fine, you can't do ten minutes. Do two minutes. Exactly. All right. And it's a matter of just having it in a place where you know it's always there. Pick it up, start it. You know what I I would find like quite nice. Mm. I think is like when you know when you wake up and like the first thing you reach for is your phone or your glasses. Mm. If if the thing you want to read is on top of that. Start with that first. I like that. That's good. Or whatever your objective is. Yeah, start yeah. with that and keep that within reach of when you wake up. Yeah. So, or if you're going to sleep with it, have it within reach of when yeah. you're going to sleep. So yeah. it should be near you because, you know, like I said, we're lazy. Yeah. If it's going to be in a bookshelf, top shelf, yeah, yeah. chances are you're either going to forget yeah. or you're just not going to be able to have the energy to get going, get going to that yeah. top shelf. Have it accessible. Or keep your phone further away. Right? Yeah. Like, because uh, I started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I started to keep it like uh, in just a far enough that I would have to get up and go towards it mm. right the fact that you can grab your phone from bed mm. I think is 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 a, a difficult situation that's which, true. which just enables you a lot more than that's true that's yeah. true that is a good point as well so there's so many different ways that we can hopefully change this literacy rate yeah. of uh, people and it starts at home pretty much I mean that's the answer it starts at home conscious effort from the parents that we have to ourselves be, real, be people who read yeah, that's yeah. the first thing we have to be people who read people who are ourselves are a little bit away from our phones to a, to a healthy degree yeah. and that's what we'll start seeing comes about in our kids you know that's obviously what it is definitely so, I think we've got a quick list here of um, you know advice and uh, on for parents uh, to to reestablish reading enjoyment so limiting screen time by establishing clear guidelines for screen time you know that's including social media usage and iPad usage um, mm. create a ready 
reading friendly environment right i think that's quite i like that because i think you should make sure that it's there um lead by example we mentioned that as well uh set by reading goals and rewards you know say that you read this chapter within this time um and you'll get a toy who knows yeah. or another book <laughs> yeah or another book. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, visiting local libraries as well so many things that we can think of, practical things to do at home. Yeah. Now just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just pick up a book. <laughs> That's the point. Just do it, guys. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be taking a break now. Um, come back after the break and we're going to be talking about what? Um, we'll let you know afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you after the break. <laughs> to the Voice of Islam Radio. His Holiness, Hazret Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social, and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color, or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. All right, guys, we are back for the second hour of drive time. Fahim, hopefully, you know what we're talking about now. Yeah, 
I, I always did. What do you mean? You to, go on then. What is it? Uh, we were talking about Saudi reforms. Saudi reforms. You know, is it a change for survival or is it for progress? Oh well, before we answer that, we want you guys to let us know. It's a live show zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That's yep. the number to call, or you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK, yep. or you can DM us oh. on Instagram. Yep. Uh, but also don't do it too much maybe pick up a book I don't know yeah. you know consider <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. use, use social media but don't use social media yeah <laughs> but here we go because we've got Saudi right here I don't know why we picked Saudi to be honest but let's go because a lot of countries are progressing mm. and um, but it's interesting I know I think mm. I know why we picked Saudi because mm. they're, they're commonly seen as like the the central identity of the Muslim world yeah. that's why I think we picked them and uh, to see well, it's home hey, to, it's to, a Muslim country yeah. let's see what they're up to well it's also home to the two holiest sites yeah Makkah well, Medina yeah, right? so, so people look towards it yeah, like, okay let's see what they're doing they really claim that they're a Muslim country mm. let's see what's going on and I think um, for a large part of what they're doing they're doing a lot Yeah. Um, in a good way there's a lot of progress that's actually happening legit yeah. and we will talk a little bit about that yeah. and then perhaps we'll talk about a little bit else where we think we can do things a little bit differently yeah. but I think one thing here we have um, football. Mm. I mean, I I haven't to be honest Major with you investment. played football for a while. Yeah, uh, not because I'm injured, which is mm. what the story you will hear about most people, oh. but because I found a superior support sport called calisthenics. Achoo. Yep, okay. it is. It is. Yeah. It is definitely. Yeah, you're not open to debate me on that. <laughs> Why not? No, tell me. <laughs> tell me how is it superior? Let's go before that. Let, let, let me tell you about football. Yeah, mm. everybody that I know who's a footballer, he's mm. got either a knee injury. I tore my ACL, UCL, yeah, BC, yeah. everything on the alphabet CL. Okay, <laughs> yeah. they tore it. Okay, their toes been whatever. Someone's yeah, lost yeah. their teeth. Okay, yeah, yeah. that that's happened. Okay, yeah. then are you sure you don't talk about UFC here? No, no, this is football. Okay, you you wouldn't right. imagine. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. think it. This this is football. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So soccer, soccer for any yeah exactly. <laughs> so there's that part of it. Then there's the part of it where it's long, man. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> Playing a football <laughs> game takes like it could take. It, you know when you start a match. Oh yeah, it because, just keeps going. Isn't it? On the flip side, you could just go do like ten yeah, push-ups. Yeah, right? session is going to take what twenty. It could take twenty minutes if you wanted to. Too. Football game. Yeah. The twenty minutes is going to be the drive to the football club. That's that's the first thing. Then everyone, someone's turning up on time, someone's not turning up on time, someone forgot their shoe, someone's borrowing someone else's sock. Yeah. I don't recommend that. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, you yeah. got that going on. Then, oh, you know what? I don't want to be on that guy's team. Oh, yeah. Let's pick this formation. Let's oh, let's be on that guy's team. Let's do, oh, you know, strategy. Okay. <laughs> Wasted like two hours on that. Okay. <laughs> and then it's it's like, it's colder, right? Yeah. It's, it's okay. You're, you're, you haven't warmed up. You're warm up. Yeah. You're warm up. Okay. So Stretch your body. Are these. Um, Describing why it's a superior sport. No, this is or why it's is not this why you, This is long. You... It's long. Okay, it takes hours. Then the game actually starts. Yeah. Okay, and then someone gets fouled. Like I said, someone yeah. gets injured. Yeah. Whatever. And then you're having beef on the pitch. This yeah. and that. And basically, because I'm a family man, yeah. I'm a family oriented man. Yeah. I've just spent like three hours or four hours away from yeah. home. I'm like, was that justified? Yeah. That's why I see calisthenics in terms of just family time and yeah. health yeah. and not getting injured yeah. as a superior sport. However, okay. football. As a social thing, yeah, getting talking to your friends, catching yeah. up with your friends, also talking about it in professional terms, yeah. professional sport. Well, it's very commercial it's as cool. well, right? It's yeah. good, it's fun, yeah. and that's what we're talking about yes. right now. Because Saudi wants a piece of that. Yes, Saudi, that like, hey, what what's Premier League? Yeah, and what's they, UEFA? And they nabbed one of the biggest yeah. names. So they've the sport, created right? their own yeah. league. Uh, what's it called again? Saudi Pro League. Saudi yeah. Pro League, and they've yeah. got some pretty big SPL. players. Who they got? Well, they got Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't think it gets bigger than that. They, they uh, tried to get Mbappe, apparently. Yeah, they tried, did they? 300, um, 300 million. 
So they offered. I've got a list of of some players. I've got. Let's see if there's one definitely that shouldn't be on there. And Who's I that? Jordan Henderson. <laughs> I don't know who that is. It says it says um, since then further star signings, right? And I don't think Jordan Henderson is a star signing. But well, I don't even anyone know is, so, yeah. feel free to give me a call and disagree <laughs> with is he? me. Uh, he's a Liverpool player. Oh, um, right, right. But yeah, uh, Neymar, Benzema, Kante, Firmino, wow. um, cool Mane, Mares. Wow. So. They've Whoa. got a lot of um, big names. But one of the things that people have been saying is that they're usually getting people at their retirement age. Uh, yeah, they're not I, was getting wondering, the... yeah, I was wondering that because like, hey, these are some big names. Yeah. But yet still, I don't really hear much about this Saudi Pro League. Yeah. Like it's not on my TV. Yeah. All right. Obviously not. Yeah. yeah. But, and I'm not hearing about no big cups going on. Mm. Nothing. But when it comes to Euros, when it comes to UEFA, obviously it's, yeah. it's there. So is it, even though they've got all these big players, is it really that much of a, a ruckus or is it not that was much spoken of? No, I, it's, it's massive on social media. It is. Like I, I, I follow, as a, as a Man United fan, I, I follow um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, so you I basically think, because of that? Yeah, so literally because of that, I, I follow the team he plays for, uh, Al Nasser. Al Nasser? Yeah, Al Nasser. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, Did these, are these teams and, all new? No, so basically what they did was they um, <laughs> privatised four of the big, oh, right, right, right. four of the leading teams pumped a lot of money into them and then um, bought some but, epic so players. These teams well, are old. 200 million euros a year for Ronaldo. Wow. So these teams are old, but they've kind of just been revamped. Yeah. Ha- have they ever taken part in any kind of recognised championships? Or would they ever do it? I, that's that's where I would be like, hey, yeah. they're actually doing something like big. So th- there's rumours that are constantly going around about how um, they could be ex- accepted into the Champions League. Because they're not on the UEFA as it stands. No, no. Yeah. So like, I think that that's where... I'm sure we can talk to our um, guest a bit more about it. Uh, mm. But yeah, like there's always rumours that, oh, they're going to... Um, allow them to uh, be a part of the Champions League, for example. Really? That would be cool uh, to see. Because yeah. obviously what I'm wondering, as a, not really a great football fan, is mm. they're just buying it. Mm. They're buying all of this skill. I know yeah. back in the days when I used to watch football a bit, everybody said that about Man City. Yeah. They're like, oh, they, got, they, they bought Aguero, they bought yeah, this yeah. guy, and they, they've got all this money. And yeah. they, to be honest, they did fairly well. Yeah. Uh, but they said, hey, they, it's, it's, football was about working with what you got, creating strategy, mm. you know, creating what they call chemistry yeah, yeah. and working that way in achieving the result yeah. not not just forcing it by money and pumping yeah. it yeah and and is that kind of what it feels like here with the Saudi Pro League I think I think what people uh, forget is a lot of these football clubs are brands right they're brands that are generating money they are businesses okay, yeah. and that's where like it's like investing in machinery right mm. on your production line to produce more products okay it's a similar it's a concept business. right it's a business and i think that that's where it's forgotten and i think that when it comes to bringing these big names over i think that they're probably doing better by getting the big names rather than the up-and-coming stars because these big names already have the brands they already have the following the support i, th- I think the the head of the saudi pro league actually said something like this that mm. we're, we're disrupting the league yeah and they're, they're doing it but they're doing it to create a good change yeah. What the heck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're trying to say that they're adding value to the industry, was what he okay. said, right? Basically, what I feel, you know, what I feel like for some of the, some reasons, for some right reasons as well, maybe Saudi's been under fire a lot recently, mm. yeah. especially by the Islamic world, for saying, hey, you've got a ton of money. Yeah. 
What are you doing with it? Yeah. Why are you not investing it in something pragmatic, which is not only capitalist minded, yeah. but it's also actually genuinely benefiting people? And it's how? Why are you not putting your foot out there in the wider world? Yeah. I think Saudi Pro League might be one of those things. This what do you mean? Where they, where they think that they're putting their foot into something much bigger, and then they're trying to integrate. It's all about inclusion. They want to diversify. I feel like that's what it is for them. They want to. They want to. They want a piece of something much bigger than who they are. Yeah. Open themselves up. Oh, this because this is obviously open up trade. I was reading about Messi as well, where they yeah. offered him a deal. He did, obviously didn't take it. He went yeah. to America. Yeah. But at the same time, Messi is a travel ambassador for Saudi. Yeah. So at the same, like you said, this is going to open up different kinds of avenues. Well, you know why Saudi. Messi didn't do that, right? Because he got an even better deal well, in the MLS. Of course. Of course. Like, he got the deal with uh, Apple for um, a cut of the streaming. Uh, he got a deal with Adidas as well for a couple. I just think he didn't want to be in the same league as Ronaldo again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do think that. <laughs> but, I love that but I think he did got a very very good deal um, okay. in the MLS. Okay. Yeah. But this is Saudi we're talking about here. Mm. So, like, I I feel like this is them stepping out of their shell a little bit. And it's not just football. Mm. We will talk about other things in a little bit as well. But I think this is one of the examples where they have really thought about expanding things beyond Saudi. Basically, yeah. opening up the horizons a little bit. Yeah, it opens up culture diversity. It opens up business, as you've said. Yeah, some ways it could be potentially be very beneficial for Saudi, and some ways it could be very detrimental to them as well. And we're going to look at exactly how that works and what happens with that. But with with the football, um, with the Saudi poly, you've got a lot of money coming in. You've got a lot of money going out. You've got, yeah. I think, there's eighteen clubs. In the pro leagues and Saudi's public investment fund has a seventy-five percent stake in it. Yeah. This is no joke, by the well, way. Well, in in the four headline-making clubs, right? Yeah, the, the privatized yeah. ones. So uh, Al Ahli, Al Ittihad, uh, Al Hilal, and Al Nasser. Um, Al Nasser um, is where uh, Ronaldo plays. I think Al Hilal is where Neymar and Benzema play. That's some big names, man. And it's not just no. football as well. They've also entered into the F one. Yeah. And they've also taken part in the the golf tour as well, mm. and probably more things will open up. And I think even with Saudi, when you think of Saudi, you hear about, oh, women aren't allowed to do this; they weren't allowed to drive; they weren't allowed to go into sports; they're not allowed to go into research. They are now. Women are allowed, being allowed into sports. Yeah. Women are, have been allowed to drive. Yeah. They're being put into research positions. They're also coming forward. I, what we don't know. Maybe a few years from now, Olympics. Who knows? Yeah, well, I think they're putting some bids in as well, aren't they? They're trying to get bids for the 2030 World Cup. Well, we just um, had the World Cup. The 2031. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about Qatar. Yeah. yeah. In a Muslim country, we've had yeah. a World Cup. Yeah, so we had so, that. I'm it was that. a Winter World Cup as well, right? Because like, think about it. That was one of the things that, um, what's it called, uh, was, was a big adjustment, right? Uh, doing it in the winter as opposed to the summer. And it, and it worked out a treat. But we're talking about Saudi, come back to that. We've got with us our expert, Professor Mark Midling, who is a senior lecturer in management accounting in Northumbria University. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, really well, thank you. Thank you very much. So we're talking about the Saudi Pro League. Now, Fahim over here is a football fanatic. I am <laughs> not a football fanatic. So I don't really know too much about any league anyway, not to least to say the Saudi Pro League. It's not something that I particularly heard of. But we are talking about it. And apparently, according to Fahim, it's grown in popularity, probably because of some of these big players. But how did they manage to get here with all the other already established football leagues? And how have they managed to do this? 
Well, I think it's exactly what uh, you've just said there. You know, it's the amount of money, really, that they've spent on players. Um, so Deloitte have estimated the total spend on players around about sort of £750 million, uh, which is quite um, staggering in the short amount of, of, okay. of time. Um, players obviously have high, high profiles, and they take those high profiles to the clubs and to the countries with them. Um, there's also a sort of modern sort of fan that follows a player rather than follows the club. Right. Um, I think... Mm-hmm. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo was uh, probably one of the first sort of international players, if you like, that people started to follow the player rather than the club. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a, 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 a massive impact. I mean, the what they're achieving is is quite fabulous, um, but they, they are still relatively small. If we take a look at attendances um, in the Saudi Pro League, we're averaging around about 9,000 spectators a game, oh. just under. In the UK terms, that puts them somewhere around about League One, oh. uh, which is the third tier of English football, compared to sort of the, you know, the, the sort of bigger European uh, nations, Spain, La Liga average about 28,000. The Bundesliga is the biggest, average is 44. Our championship in England, you know, our, our second tier averages 23. So from the attendance perspective, wow. you know, there's a little bit of work still to be done. Yeah. Um, TV audiences um, will be where I think the the league um, and the government are sort of looking to, to sort of grow the sport. Um, and there's been some TV deals signed this year um, or, or for this year um, across Europe, Australia, um, no. the US, and a number of, of other countries that's really sort of increasing that global reach that will start to increase the, the revenues. These deals are worth a few billion pounds, so it will really increase the revenues mm-hmm. going into the game in Saudi Arabia. Forgive my ignorance. Can you watch it here in the UK? You can. Um, I believe it's on Dazen. Um, I think that's how you're supposed to say the uh, the name. Um, it's not. A, it's not. A, I'm glad a, I, I didn't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I I I haven't, but I believe that if you pay the right subscriptions, then you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, would you say there was always a interest in football in Saudi? I think internally, yes. I mean, what was quite surprising for me when I started looking at some stats was that the uh, internally the growth in attendances hasn't really um, picked up a lot. Um, there was a bit of a pick up around about 2017-18 and I wasn't mm-hmm. really able to pinpoint exactly why that was. But since these uh, big name plays have gone, there hasn't really been uh, 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 an increase in the attendances. Mm. The, the, uh, the, the Sorry, does Saudi have a national sport? I can't even think of one on the top of my head. I think we should uh, I, believe, I, I believe football is is one of the bigger followed. Um, okay. I, I couldn't answer to urge. Yeah, that's all right. I've got Fahim checking it out. <laughs> but honestly, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the yeah. um, the international side yeah. um, is definitely growing. I don't think there was any interest, particularly in Saudi Arabian football, you know, before hmm. uh, the big ones started to go there. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to wonder from a kind of more lower scale point of view because obviously here in London, like. Every every park, every playground has a football pitch set mm. up, or, or mm. kids will just find a place to play it. Obviously, mm. I don't know. I don't know how it is in Saudi. Was it something that kids really generally would pick? And be like, hey, I want to play football today. Because uh... um, I'm not sure. I'm sort of an expert on the <laughs> yeah, of course, professional game. But... So I apologise. No, that's alright. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the impression is what it's, the statistics that you're telling us makes me wonder mm. that perhaps this is more to the side of things that they would watch 
I don't know how much Saudi <laughs> really plays it, but anyway, that's that's for another time. I'm wondering, you're saying that uh, the pickup was in 2017, 2018. Maybe it was in the thoughts of the Qatar 2022, you know, like coming to the Middle Very East. Possibly. I think maybe that, mm. like, you know, because they're going to represent as well. No, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, do you think interest in the Pro League comes from international football fans or do you think it's more from their citizens or trend changing? Well, I've... I have to say, you look at the, the attendance trends, which is kind of the only data I've really got to go on. Um, that sort of grew, you know, as, as I say, five or six years ago, that started to grow. Um, but it, it, I think it's the international attention uh, mm. that is the difference now with these right. TV deals that we're starting to see. Yeah. Um, I think the 140 countries it's reported to go out in, which is increasing the revenues of the uh, Saudi Pro League reportedly by 650 percent. So the trend does seem to be, you know, trying to get the international focus. Uh, looking at the at the league okay. um, regarding the, uh, the the children picking up uh, picking up the football and what have you I, one of the things that the uh, the government have said that is that they do want this to have a, a sort of a social impact a health impact um, mm. on the youth of the nation and they are hoping that this sort of rubs okay. off on you know um, you know the youth in Saudi Arabia for like um, joining in um, Okay, well, that's um, interesting. Okay, that's good. I mean, I wonder, I would imagine that with that, they would probably create facilities for that as well. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. but yeah, yeah quite, quite, yeah. Um, there is obviously you, you've given the obvious answer that there is um, money that's involved in enticing big names to come and play mm. for the Saudi mm. Pro League. Uh, but I would imagine that players don't just look at money. I don't, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but maybe they don't just look at money. What? did it actually take for Saudi Pro League to say to some of these players, hey, come over and play for us? Was it just the money or was there something about the league that they were able to convince them and say this is going to be going places or, or what was it? I think I think it is a combination of factors. I mean, I think, you know, let's not be naive about this. The money will be top of the list. You know, there's always been a trend of um, some players, usually towards the end of their career, going to play in um, other countries um, where even at the end of their career, they're probably going to be one of the better players in the league. You know, we've mm. seen players go to the U- US, China, um, yeah. some Middle Eastern countries in the past too. Um, Gary Lineker went to Japan, if you remembered, back oh. in the 80s, oh, which wow, was old, old as me, <laughs> if you can remember that. Wow. Um, but the, there will be... Um, Saudi Arabia is a bit different because they're not just attracting older players they are attracting players with you know a few years left in them yeah. at the top level um you know some of the players that have gone are still in their 20s wow. um and i think it's a matter of um you know making sure that there is um an infrastructure there um that they that they do seem committed to the development um and it, it comes i saw i saw a really interesting um article by Global 13 last week, uh, a consultancy at, uh, for, for um, international football. And they sort of listed these, these six factors um, in terms of growing uh, football in Saudi Arabia. And elite talent was top of the list. Next was the infrastructure, so having the right stadiums, training facilities in, in, in place. The global reach was, was next, and that's down to the, uh, you know, the TV deals. Right, right. Then you've got your youth development, so having the infrastructure yeah. in place to bring homegrown talent through, right. um, I think that's going to be um, quite an important factor in the growth of the SPL. Yeah. And um, the, together with that, com- um, hopefully comes international success. I think I think Saudi Arabia beating Argentina in the World Cup, mm. that certainly made a few people sit up and, you know, take 
take note of uh, Saudi Arabia as a footballing nation. Um, and I think these things combined and the will of the nation to, to become a sporting nation, you know, they haven't just invested in football, they've invested in, you know, they've, they've hosted wrestling, boxing, they've invested in Formula One. Um, you know, so it does seem to be a, quite a portfolio of, of, yeah. of, of sport and not just a one-off thing. You know, I think that's quite admirable. I think that they're trying to do that. It's it's a, it's a good thing to try. I think people will second guess it and you know say it's just about business. But this is really about potentially the future of a lot of people that are growing up in Saudi as well yeah. to venture into these sports and really make a name for themselves too. So let's see where that goes. I mean, with with all of this happening, who knows when exactly will kick off. Yeah. So with everything that we know. And we're looking into the future now. We can see how Saudi Pro League is at the moment. As you mentioned, it's still growing. There's players coming in. There's there's a lot of space for improvement on attendance in person. There's TV deals being signed. What is the next step for the Saudi Pro League? Um, sorry, just to check. Can you hear me okay? Because you were breaking up a little bit there. Yeah, yeah we can, can hear you, you fine. Hear me okay? Yeah. So um, the next steps, I think that's a million dollar question um i think there will be a desire for the league to become more kind of internationally competitive um the league is playing catch up you know the the big european league started you know 100 years ago or so um so it, it does come back to that kind of increasing the home talent um we try to increase the competitive balance across the league so i believe at the moment you sort of got your big four clubs and then everybody else and okay. it's increasing the competitive balance so that the some of the, the smaller clubs um, are, are, are more competitive, will increase the competitive balance, which means that um, creates some certainty of outcome that makes the, the sort of the viewing a bit more um, desirable, that, that, that drives eyeballs um, watching the, the games. Um, the, um, I've seen reports that the, 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 the league could actually enter the, the Champions League, there's been some conversation really? about that, the, the, wow. the European Champions League. So they currently play in the Asian Champions League and they're kind of, it's not really fair to compare the two. Um, okay. The Asian Champions League, the money that I've seen, the prize money for the winners is around about 4 million, where you sort of get about 15 million just for being in the sort of the, the group stages of the wow. Champions League. You know, the, the final of the um, Asian Champions League attracts about 30 million viewers versus kind of 15 times that, 450 million for the European wow. Champions League. Yeah. But that's going to bring with it kind of a lot of challenges. At the moment, there's no financial fair play regulations or control on spending or multi-club ownership in Saudi Arabia, where it, if they were to join the UEFA Champions League, those sort of limits would be placed would on be them. Placed so, on. yeah, so they'd have to try and they'd they'd sort of have to um, start to curtail all of this big spending mm. and big wages because they simply, you know, wouldn't pass the financial fair play rules by oh, okay. by doing it unless they were to massively increase their their revenues. But it, it does seem unlikely at the moment, given that they're playing catch up with the European leagues, that they're going to be able to okay. significantly increase their broadcasting and sponsorship revenue which are kind of the big two drivers for for big clubs over and above sort of match day revenues mm. i mean you mentioned and it kind of depends sorry sorry go ahead go ahead i don't say it kind of depends where the government wants to take it too because we did see the rise and fall of the chinese super league a few years ago oh did um, you okay tell us about that did, i did not know about yeah, that at all. So basically the the um china had a had a similar sort of drive they wanted oh. to to didn't they say um, drug burn, right? china 
Yeah, um, uh, yes, I think he did. I think you're right. I think he did go. Um, there was a few big name players. It was more players at the end of their career going out there um, for for big wages, and and the idea was to try and increase the competitiveness of the Chinese league and try and get China as a nation um, into the World Cup and be competitive on the world stage. Um, I think once the reality kicked in of how much money this was costing and the type of money that the right. Chinese clubs were having to offer, um, the Chinese government based did a bit of a bit of a U-turn and uh, decided that it wasn't something that they wanted to follow. Okay. And given you know given how the, you know the government works over there, you know the, the companies that are investing in these uh, uh, football clubs duly uh, duly followed suit. Um, so the the thing is football clubs don't make any money so if this is to be a, an investment in the actual clubs um then you know even in the uk half the premier league clubs make a loss on an annual basis and are supported by their owners so okay. i think this this can be a big investment for the country but the clubs themselves will be a bit of a a loss leader hmm. um in that they will be spending more more money um than than they're earning. I mean, the financial fair play rules recognise this. You know, clubs in uh, UEFA competitions are allowed to lose 70 million pounds over a rolling three-year basis. So that's kind of the standard that clubs will spend more than they earn. So I suppose it depends how successful the league is, how successful the international TV deals are, how many people are watching it. That's going to drive sponsorship revenue right. um, and 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 what have you. So it's it's kind wow. of a you know, the next few years are really going to be, um, you know, very interesting to see how that develops. Okay, that's a, there's a lot riding on that, a lot that could go right, a lot that could go wrong. Um, you, you did mention a little bit about these uh, rules, uh, that if they want to play in Champions League, for example. And I, I think this, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi also owns Newcastle United. Is that correct? They do, yeah. F- first of all, wh- where where are they? Like, are they, which league are they in right, right now? <laughs> Newcastle United are in the, the Premier top, League. Yeah, top um, four. Top four? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> Last year, yeah. Wow. So, okay. How long have you yeah, not seen yeah. football for? It's been a while, bro. I'm not going to lie. Uh, okay, so does that mean so anything for them? Yeah. Um, yes, yes, it does. And it also they also own the top four clubs in Saudi Arabia too. Al-Halil, yeah, Al-Ihtiyad, yeah, yeah. Al-Nasar, and Al- right. Al-Ahli. Is that how you say it? Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so... The the multi club ownership rules. You're not supposed to own more than a certain percentage of the club playing in the same competition, because uh-huh. what they're trying to avoid is basically the owner of you know two or three clubs saying, "I want this one to win." Therefore, if you come uh-huh. up against yeah, each other, that, see that was going to be an advantage, wasn't it, for United? Because there there was talks that they were going to take over United, and then uh, Mbappe mm. would have been sold from PSG to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they would have had to give up. I don't know what you guys just said. <laughs> so PSG, the PSG owner, right? So it's a, yeah. a, a team in the French league. I know they, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they um they were going to put in a bid for Man United. Right. And they were saying that if they did that bid, then they would have just sent to their oh, own okay. team, right? Because it would have so been like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So there's a lot just of rules that, in place. To stop that, yeah. Generally to stop. Unfair. That's why. Like I if if I own right. Man City and Man United, then cool, cool, I could like match fix a bit. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Professor Mark. Um, yes, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I've also invested in Roma in in Italy, oh. who Jose Mourinho used to manage up until quite quite recently. Yeah. And um, 
It's going to be interesting because if I if it was me, I'd be looking at that thinking, well, it's going to be easier and cheaper to get Roma into the Champions League than to get Newcastle into the Champions League. So it'll be interesting to see which one becomes the biggest club in the group there. So I work in in Newcastle, and a lot of Newcastle fans think that Roma is going to become the feeder club to Newcastle. But it'll, it'll be really interesting. It's going to cost a lot more money for Newcastle to be successful in England than it will do for Roma to be successful yeah. in Italy. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how that one plays out. Definitely. Mark, before we let you go, I've got to ask you one randomly off-topic question. Because you mentioned mm-hmm. the US. It's not a scary question. or <laughs> Why is it that the US... I don't know. I, I just think of the US. I'm like, man, they should have some good football teams, man. What's going on? Like, what? what, what, like, what? Yeah, I mean, they, they're quite in isolationist country at the best times. Um, but the, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just not a fact of sport. You know, they've, That's it, they've got a yeah. you know. They've got a World Series where one country takes part. You know, it's uh, punkers. But um, okay. just not really big. I mean, there has been push. There is a, a thing, Apple, it was, that signed the TV deal for the... Premier League rights. I think they paid about three billion pounds for mm. three years worth of TV rights right. uh, to show the Premier League. So there is there is effort there to try and grow the sport. Um, obviously, David Beckham went and bought in a was it Inter Miami he bought? Right? Yeah, Alex Galaxy. I forget now. He played for one and bought the other. He played for Messi's LA Galaxy and bought Inter Miami. Yeah, Messi's gone there to play for him as well. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how that one develops too. Uh, but it's all about you know. You know, football, I suppose, trying to grow the commercial side, you know, yeah. the, the, the revenues. Yeah. All right. Professor Mark, thank you very much for coming on to the Drive Time Show. And, thank uh, you for having me. Teaching me a little bit about football as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not watching it, though, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Take care, guys. Thanks thank so you, much. You Take care. That was Professor Mark, who just had a lovely conversation with us about Saudi Pro League. And there's a lot of potential yeah. with the Saudi Pro League to potentially come in and... You know, we talk, there's talk of it, the Champions League. There's talk of more players coming there. There's talk of Saudi implementing measures to create more interest in the sport so that they can have their own homegrown team. Yeah. And like Mark said, you know, Saudi didn't do too bad in the recent World Cup and got a lot of people thinking, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah. That's not a joke. Well, if they invest on the grassroots levels, I think that then, like you were saying, that the other teams will become better and then they'll be able to challenge a bit more. Yeah. But I I've, I was reading an article actually um, a couple of months back um, and that's not a code for watching a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was an actual article. <laughs> um, but about how Ronaldo actually made his team better in the sense of their discipline, okay, okay. the way that they've... Um, uh, you know the way they train the way they eat uh their like punctuality all of these things he's kind of like up the professional game there so definitely i think he was a great uh, he was a great um acquisition for mm. the saudi party well we've spoken about football we've spoken a little bit about other sports yeah and we've spoken a little bit about how saudi is also investing in women's education giving them their rights there's also other projects like i believe it's called the future isn't future it? project uh, but yeah. it's got an acronym i think it's got neom that's the one neom, yeah. neom meaning new vision or the new vision of muhammad bin salman who is a current obviously state head and it's some kind of i don't know if you guys have seen images of this project it's like some kind of futuristic place that they want yeah. to streamline everything okay is that where there was that like really long the wall i don't know if that's the, the same project that falls underneath yeah. neom but that is also something hmm. that is there 
all these really cool futuristic kind of lifestyle civilizations that they want to come yeah. up with and it's all really good I'm like, I'm like okay they're spending their money on it let's see if it happens Who's that the cube as well is that I mean it was a wall or a cube yeah. or something like that something straight out of a movie I'm right but let's I mean it's all good but you know what really this is where I've got a bit of a bone to pick with Saudi I'm like, although these are cool things and great things and you know they should great go ahead and do it and to be honest even there was a criticism against Saudi until recent that they're not investing money into research and medicinal um, infrastructure they're doing it they're slowly starting to do it all of these things are coming into place so that's why I'm like okay you know what that's looking good Yeah, we're not there yet we're not there yet but let's see Couple of, we're definitely behind the game for sure behind the West Muslim countries are behind the game in general well, I don't know why though because we were the ones who used to lead in the Armada when it was in Spain all of these people who were Muslims leading the game in science oh, in medicine yeah. and in research and we've just fallen behind unfortunately yeah. you have this point where Saudi's basically been created if you go back to history they discover that they have a lot of oil they have an oil embargo trade with the US and the West, essentially selling away their rights to the oil. And he, and it makes them super rich. No, there's no doubt. It yep. makes them super rich. But I just I just wonder, I'm like, if we didn't do that, and we, oh, not we, when I say we, when I say the Muslim countries decided not to always think about what's going to give us the most amount of profit, yep. but they thought about, hold on a minute, how can we better use this for our people? If they had not just our people, for the world, right? For the world. Yeah. It's not just about money. Yeah. And and that mindset hasn't changed to this day. The oil embargo mindset where we're going to always look at money has not changed mm. to this day and that disappoints me. This is what I'm talking about. We have Palestine where before 7th October, Saudi was about to make a huge trade deal with Israel. Mm. Why? Okay, I understand they're trying to reason, oh, you know, it's because they recognize the Palestinian state to some degree. Do you know that when the Ottoman Empire existed, a country stood up and threatened to do what? What, like bomb a country? No. Uh, do a genocide? No. Do something which was to draw the Prophet And today you might be like, huh? what's that? Peace and blessings. That even yeah. that is a big deal today as well. But at that time, that was such a big deal for the Ottoman Empire that the entire nation, all of the Muslim leaders stood up, they wrote a letter to that country and they said, hey, you can do it. Go ahead. You won't be here tomorrow. They never drew that cartoon. Right. Obviously. Why? Because in those days, the Muslim countries didn't go, um, oh no, they're drawing a cartoon. Uh, okay, let's call up the ICC. Let's call up the ICJ, which is controlled by the West anyway, which is vetoed by the US anyway. And let's ask them for help. Let's ask them for help to help us solve our dilemma that we don't like the fact that they're drawing a, a cartoon of the Prophet. No, they didn't do that. Is that we don't care about the ICC or the ICC. It didn't exist oh, anyway. Yeah, but even yeah. if there was one, they don't. They didn't turn towards Western ideologies to sort them out and have their back. They knew that if someone's going to make a stand for our people, it's going to be us. So yeah. they stood up and they made a stand, and it was such a strong one that they didn't even have to do anything. Today, we have countries like Saudi, who can see what's happening in countries like Syria, Yemen, and of course Palestine. Yeah. They can see who's perpetrating it, who's behind it. They're dying, right? This is not even just a cartoon now. This is actually bloodshed, yeah. right? Of, of children, of innocent people. And they're standing up and they're going, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, we should... Yeah, diplomacy, yeah. I think we should... Let's go to the ICC. Let's go to the ICJ. Let's see mm -hmm. what happens. Yeah. Oh, they're going to veto it. Oh, no, that's a shame. Oh, you know, let's go and do some protest. Oh, no, that's a shame. That didn't work. You've got no shame. What is going on? So, fine. You're, you're, you're advancing in your pro soccer football leagues 
You're yeah. advancing in medicine, you're advancing in infrastructure, you've got nice buildings. As the hadith of the Prophet even suggested that you would have very mm. nice buildings, you have very tall buildings. In fact, they would compete with one another to have the tallest um, infrastructure. Yeah. But they have no focus on protecting their own people and their honor. Well, it's not just about protection, it's about justice for all, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's not... It's not even just about like, oh, you know, help your own, right? It's it's literally like there are innocent people being slaughtered. And you're going ahead and doing trade deals, allowing them to do whatever they want. Well, it's putting money before everything. And, and the, the, the joke is that they created a, something called the Muslim League a couple of years back, which was supposed to be this kind of replacement of the Ottoman Empire kind of look. We have United all these, Front, we have all these leaders, yeah, yeah. all Muslim leaders. Yeah. Uh, look at us, where the Avengers assembled. They do yeah, nothing. Yeah. They do absolutely nothing. This whole issue, they've been basically used to. They had a summit last year, or no, not even last year, sorry, this year. I think it was, this I think year, it was yeah. in March or something. Yeah. What? Oh, uh, yeah, we should come together. We should make a voice. We'll come to it. We, they haven't done anything. And that's where did I'm you, like, Did bruv, you say March this year? Not, not, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> March last year. March yeah, last year. Yeah, last year. So. <laughs> He is still I'm, in 2023, are you? I'm getting carried away, man. We are <laughs> living in 2023. The, the fact of the matter is that it does, for me as a Muslim, okay, mm. it, it's cool that they're doing these things, but it brings me no joy. It, it brings me, it's, it's like, it's, if, if I was to be honest with you, like if I had a, a child at home, which I do, and, and they, <laughs> you know, and they're doing all of these cool things, saying, they're going yeah. out there, they're earning money, they're happy, but they're not really reading their prayers, for example. Mm. It, it wouldn't bring me that I would be concerned it's priorities right priorities yeah. exactly Saudi isn't paying attention to the things that need to be focused mm. on at the moment right now I'm talking about right now and that is the Muslim brothers around them are struggling and it's not just them I'm not saying it's all on Saudi I'm not going to be the one who's going to just be like it's of all course, Saudi's fault yeah. there's other Muslim countries out there who've made claims to stand up we're going to send armies we're going to do this nothing's happened and it continues till today so forget your football leagues. Forget your buildings. Nobody cares. They're not worth more than people. That's all I'm trying to say. This is mm. really disappointing to see that this is the state of our Muslim countries right now. Yeah. And it, I just think that it's putting worldly things above your faith. And I think that because ultimately service to humanity, the best way to... Like, uh, is the verse in the Quran which is you know if you save one life it's as if you save the whole of mankind and we're seeing yeah, slaughter right. on another yeah, level it's not about if you build one Burj Khalifa it's as if you if you save the whole mankind <laughs> exactly yeah, right. it's about, it's about your, yeah exactly what you're saying so it's 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 priorities it's about understanding because I, I saw this um, post the other day where it was like I don't understand how there is the word but after this many children have died yeah right like 30 like however many children have died right like, but like what wh why is there a but like there, there isn't yeah. and i think that that's where the world especially with social media you know bringing our previous to topic as well we're seeing everything firsthand we're seeing stuff that is happening it's not like we're blind to it or we're you know out of sight out of mind it's it's we're seeing this it is everywhere and yet we're still not putting priority to morality. It's like, oh, 
yeah, if we get into a sticky situation with this country, then we'll, you know, impact our money source or trade deal here and whatnot. And I think, again, it's politics. Politics comes be before justice. And I think that that's the sad thing. And we actually spoke about this before as well. When it comes to capitalism, you you do tend to lose sight of what's right over what's profitable. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's what capitalism is. And I, and I remember one guest actually asked us, well, why is Saudi doing it? Why is Saudi a capitalist at the moment by the looks of it? And I had to say, well, that's exactly what we don't need mm. at the moment. We need to have a country that, according to the principles of the Quran, looks at ma yanfa'un nas, as the Quran says. He looks at that thing which benefits the people. Mm. And that's exactly what we need to look at right now. Countries which are Muslims, you know what? If you don't claim to be Muslim, honestly, Muslims don't care what you do. You want to go, which Saudi is doing right now, by the way, you want to mm. go open up nightclubs, whatever. Mm. You want to go and open up, you know, different kinds of gambling suites, go for it. But if you lay a Muslim claim to your name, yeah. then what on earth are you doing? This is not advancement for a Muslim country. Yeah, it's not advancement, is it? It's like, and you know, it's the two holiest sites in the Muslim world, like, you know, are there. And it's, it's just like to, to do something that, completely contradicts it just to what increased tourism like like I don't, I don't get it like it's there's there's something so sacred about this and like I, I just I, I just I, I'm honestly like perplexed uh, confused like flabbergasted I don't like I don't know how to describe it but I just think that the priorities are all wrong it is wrong because right now again with Palestine and and these other things that are going on you've got Muslims who they're, fi- they're trying to find ways. Hey, how can I help Palestine? Yeah. They're desperate, right? Because they, they feel the pain of it. Like, hey, someone's going on a, on a protest. Someone's going on a march. That's that's their thing. Someone's done social media content. Yeah. Someone else is wearing, you know, the Palestine uh, flag, flag or their, whatever they're doing, right? Some people are boycotting. They're like, we're not going to yeah. eat here. We're not going to drink there. We're not going to buy these clothes. They're all doing these things, okay? But they don't know what else they can do. Yeah. Here's they're doing Saudi, what's, what's in their capacity. Yeah. Here's Saudi... They can actually do something real. Yeah. They're not. And what I mean by this is this. We talk about boycotting. And people generally, I've heard a lot, they're like, don't boycott, it's a waste of time. And the, the perspective that they bring is that, hey, these are multi-billion dollar industries, companies. If you, if you, if you Because of your boycott, they lose a million or a billion or a couple of billion. What does it matter? First of all, I'm like, that's meaningless anyway. They're still losing money at the end of the day. That's losing money. What I do agree with, though, from their point of view is this. Boycotting alone doesn't work. For example, if you feel like there is a certain industry um, that, or a certain company that we should not buy their products because they facilitate quote-unquote genocide in Palestine, you think that's what you think? Okay, don't buy that product. Let's say they sell, I don't know, they sell uh, strawberries, okay? Yeah. You don't want to buy it from Strawbucks, yeah? Okay? <laughs> you don't want to buy that, okay? Because yeah. they don't like the strawberries, okay? Yeah. That's boycotting. That that doesn't only work. What are Muslim countries supposed to do? Just just boycott? Mm. Like, we're not going to buy your strawberries. Yeah. What Muslim countries should be doing is saying, hey, here's our company. We sell strawberries. What, why are we not doing that? Where's our strawbucks? Yeah. Basically, in a nutshell. Where are our famous, well-known franchises all over the world? Yeah. We have the money to do it, right? We could do it yeah, if we wanted yeah. to. Why aren't we doing it? Providing that alternative, right? That's it. And that's what ultimately our Muslim mindset needs to become. We need to be those people who be like, 
we're going to do this not because only it's going to give us profit we're going to do this because it's going to put our foot on the map and give us a muslim alternative and a presence so that we don't have to rely on these people in the first place we don't really have that what you do have right now are local shops here and there oh you know yeah. i'll go to this muslim shop i'll go to the where are the big we have i mean what to 300 million whatever bid they gave on mbappe yeah. 300 million yeah, I'm sure that they could spend a million or two here and there. Yeah, and I think it's not just about having a Muslim version of something, right? Yeah. Like it's about having something that is based on ethics, Islamic principles, which yeah. will make sure that there's ethics and morality at the forefront. That's it, and that's the key, right? It's not about dividing; it's about providing a situation where you know you can trust that. Okay, this is going to be founded on Muslim pr- uh, principles. You know, there are charities that you know that okay, they're going to do everything in their power to to make sure that you know the money goes to the right place etc and i think that that's where it is i think often people can be like oh but you just like you want a muslim version of your own thing like you want to divide it it's not about that it's about putting justice at the forefront i don't think that people would even disagree nowadays like i mean i I don't know if i've spoken about this before but you know nowadays people get investments as well whether it's like ISAs, whether it's stocks, yeah. or whether it's crypto, even to the point of crypto now, where you will have ethical investments. Yeah. So people will be like, hey, you know what? I can see that I'm probably going to get like a 12% return if I invest in this. Yeah. But I think it's a bit shady. Yeah. I don't know where that money's going to go. Yeah. Okay. I'll take an 8% return, annual yeah. return. But hey, I'll do an ethical investment. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that that, that company is... And you know, most people, if, it might just be a marketing scam. We don't yeah. know. But people are thinking like that. Yeah. They're like, you know, we'd rather take slight loss on profit but in the back of our minds we want to know that our money is going to the right place or a good place and and and, and like you said you don't need to be a muslim to be against the genocide of palestine mm. so if someone comes up with a brand and goes hey we we are providing an alternative to a brand that might be complicit in that it won't just be muslims that go hey that's a great idea yeah, yeah. there'll be a lot of people that'll be like yo yeah. let's go it's a it's a win-win situation for people who think about it right to be yeah. honest with you um, I think that the, I don't. I haven't been following it myself personally, but the Apprentice out it was all over socials. Uh, no spoilers, please. Some, oh really? <laughs> but okay, some guy got kicked out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't even know what he said. Yeah. Because and I, because I haven't fact checked it, I won't say what he said. Yeah. But you know, there was speculation that he's been kicked out because of some remarks against Palestine, for right. in 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 the favor of Palestine. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, by the way. I'll put that out right now. I don't know yeah. exactly what happened, but what I do know is that just because of that sheer speculation, his business is getting so much interest. Mm. Because people who are ethical-minded, who may not have cared about that product, now want to know about it. Yeah. I know it's, it's important. I think when it comes to branding, right? Like, so brand values, like, I've got my marketer hat on here. Um, brand values, the reason why people follow certain brands is because they align with their values. Right, they people are understanding that it's important to look. I can buy these trainers here, and I can buy these trainers here. One, I know that they make sure that they're committed to making sure that the money is spent in the right places. There's no child labor, etc. I would even pay a premium to make sure that that happens. That I go to that trainer brand rather than the other one, just because of that. And I think that that's where you know. You, that's, this is why you're seeing things like greenwashing, right? Where brands are just jumping on the uh, environmental, environmental uh, bandwagon to because they know people will go for that brand. So I think that that's where Islam can provide you those ethics and 
morality that you need to make sure that you uphold justice when you're dealing with business or in anything in politics in in general but the thing is is that it's so important now to it's even what uh, our guest was saying about how this new age of fans and this is what we're seeing with especially with gen z is that they are aligning themselves more to the players, right? The reason why, because they align with those players' right. things. It's not about the club. It's not like I'm just about the club. It's like, okay, I align with this person's right. values. I would like to be like them. I would like to associate with them. Who you follow on social media is a big part of your identity of what types of things... Like, I know a lot of people just do it like without thinking, but it is an actual... Because when you think about it, the people that you follow will also tailor the content that you will receive, right? If I follow a bunch of marketing, uh, what's it called, channels, then I'm going to hear all about marketing, right? And it's going to create a bit of an echo chamber. So that's why it's really important for values to be at the forefront and for you as an individual to know your values so that you know where to align, where to like associate with. Because no matter how much we may think, oh, it doesn't matter if I follow them on social media, even if I skip their stuff every time, but I'm just waiting for like a deal or whatever, I will be influenced by it, mm. by association. And I think that that's where companies are waking up. And bringing it back to the conversation that we're having here, this is what I think a lot of um, people, Muslims especially, are disappointed with Saudi Arabia in, and not just Saudi Arabia, a lot of countries are not making more of a stand and yeah, not making more of an effort. a lot effort. of people were expecting, and it's broken that illusion, to be honest, yeah. that Muslim nations would have stood up they would have done something by now. Yeah. And they have just literally, I'm not even joking, like, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. They have not. Okay. And I think the illusion is gone that this Ummah was united, Ummah United FC. There is no, yeah. there is no Ummah United. It's everyone for themselves at the moment. And uh, this idea that perhaps the Muslims are under one banner, it's, it, it's kind of shattered a little bit. So the question then arises, how are you going to solve that? Uh, is it is it is it, is the problem something to do with the way we think? Is it because of the way we are structured? Is it to do with leadership? What is the problem in the Muslim Ummah? So that's the real question, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a lack of leadership. I mean, we've got the Muslim League, but they do nothing. Yeah, but it's a lack of genuine leadership, which we can see in the Caliph. Uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, right? Like, where justice is at the forefront. I think that that's the, that's the biggest issue. You're absolutely right. And you know what? Um, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, who you just mentioned, actually, yeah. is the Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He's been speaking about proper leadership for a while now. And he's actually mentioned that the example of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him as well. Yeah. Uh, who himself, actually, he says, actually, that after suffering years of persecution, the Prophet himself wasn't a person that you know was living in affluence he himself was someone himself who was in a particularly difficult situation persecuted lost his family they were killed martyred so many different kinds of trials but when the prophet ﷺ migrated to medina his holiness says that the prophet ﷺ, he was elected as the head of state okay so he this is someone consciously aware he's been through it okay and under his leadership the leadership of the prophet muhammad peace be upon him the covenant which he formed between all people, right, proved to be a magnificent charter of human rights and governance, and it ensured peace between the different communities. 
So the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his first and foremost thing wasn't profit, it was peace. He wasn't like, hey, let me sign my, my, my business deals. Yeah. First treaty he did was, how are we going to keep the peace? Yeah. And that was his priority. So, Muslim countries, here's your example. This is who we need. This is yeah. what we need. Someone who prioritizes peace treaties above capitalist deals. Yeah. And that's what His Holiness is actually trying to remind the Muslim countries about. That until and unless we don't have a leadership like this, it's not going to happen. But not just Muslim leaders, all leaders across yeah. the world, right? He's constantly explaining that we need that peace and justice to be at the forefront. And, you know, it's, but it goes back to the, the materialistic nature and the, 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 this need to acquire wealth, this need to acquire success that, like, when you realize your actual purpose to being here, and when you when you really think about it, I challenge anyone to do something for someone else in the most it, selflessly without actually caring for anything in return. Tell me if they can recreate that feeling in any sort of success or any sort of other mm. thing because it's innate within us. It is innate within us. It's really a shame. You know, when you mentioned um, how Cristiano Ronaldo came and he taught them discipline and he taught them about food and this... And you know, to some degree, if you had said that Christian Ronaldo was great, he came to, to Saudi and he taught them about how to play football, I would be like, you know what, fair enough. But the fact that he's had to come there and teach them discipline and this kind of stuff is a really a shame. Yeah. I wouldn't say he taught them just to, <laughs> just to be careful. That, uh, I get what like, you mean. But he, he was, showed them a great example. He did, yeah. he did. And he elevated them, yeah. The shame is that Muslims should have should be yeah. the ones emanating it the other way. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean is that we don't really have that many active influences out there that do it like that. It's it's just yeah, it's it's quite a big disappointment. And I think yeah. we really need to think about this as an ummah. Not as an individual, or oh, let me try. We need to try. We. The yeah. the, the key is we, because we're only strong together. Yeah, and it all starts on the individual, right? No one's saying that, oh, you should be like this or you should be like that. It's like just everybody focus on themselves and we'll be a better place. And then with the right leadership, yeah. the right structure, it can happen. Yeah. Now, we must pray to Allah that that, that comes. Because yeah. right now, like I said, the Muslim League's tried. Ottomans have tried. The Turks yeah. are now trying. Will it work? Do we need another solution? You've got the Ahmadis, which you've mentioned. They have their United Caliphate. Mm -hmm. There are things there. Time will tell what will prevail. And of course, would the Muslims have been awaiting for a Messiah and a Mahdi? And this is ultimately what we've got our eyes pinned on. The Ahmadi Muslim community believes that it's already here. It's about time the Muslim world wakes up and really starts thinking about this. Yeah. So we've come now to the end of our show, which was, Fahim, tell me what the topic was. Of the, of this hour? Yeah. Yeah, it was about Saudi reforms. And what was how... the last hour's topic about? <laughs> it was about child literacy. <laughs> all right, all right. Just check it. Testing me. Testing just testing me. you on, on yeah. the stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And if you've got any questions, it's too late to ask them now. <laughs> you can ask the team. We, we can thank our producers, who uh, Mahira Ramzin and Fezia Haq. Jazakallah for producing the show and we'll be back in the next weekday. Here's the news.